welcome to So You Want to Be a Real Estate Agent. If you are trying to evaluate whether real estate is the right career for you, wondering whether you're doing the right things to launch into quick success, or looking for tips and tools you can use today to become a more productive agent, this is your podcast. Welcome to So You Want to Be a Real Estate Agent. This is episode 27, and today we're going to be talking about establishing farm dominance. I'm Meredith Fogel, along with Valerie Harnois. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please remember, it would make us so happy if you would leave us reviews or ratings, show ideas. And when you leave us a review, if you would leave us a little comment about something you have learned. And actually, our quote today is going to be from somebody who um, sent us a little message, which was so nice, telling us what she likes about the show. But before I lead with that quote, I want to thank everybody for purchasing and reviewing the book Farming for Real Estate Agents. For those who haven't checked it out yet, you can buy that at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere you get your books. Hopefully, the audiobook will be out soon. I'm waiting for Audible to approve the audio files. It's a whole long process that I didn't realize I'd have to get out soon. And remember that everything we're covering in this geofarming series is covered in a lot more depth with step-by-step instructions, systems, access to all of the information, including a handy workbook for anybody who orders Farming for Real Estate Agents. So we do want to start with that thank you from our listener to our listener, Sarah, who sent us this message. And this made me so happy to see. Oh, I know. Um, I just love it when people are take the time to say things like this. So she says, thank you so much for your podcast. I'm listening to every single episode and you guys definitely talked me into the real estate career and I just scheduled my test date and I am beyond excited. I know you guys have answered so with four O's many of my questions that really made things more clear for me. Can't wait to get started. From all the way over here in Jonesboro, Arkansas. And you know what's funny? Because I think we started this, or at least I would always say, trying to talk people out of it in a weird <laughs> yes. kind of way because we make it seem easy, but at I least this way you know that, what you're getting into. Yeah, I was thinking that exactly right? when I was reading this. And it's funny, I had a, an agent actually who interviewed to be on our team um, talking to me about how he had listened to the podcast. And it, it, it's oh, the same funny. kind of thing. Like It made it so much clearer to him and he understood what I loved is he came to me and said, I understand that it's my responsibility to lead generate and I can't just rely on paying for leads or my team leader, although I hope that'll supplement. And I was like, you just have half of it, more than half of it figured out just based on what you said. I was so impressed. Or when they hear crazy stories, they know that it's normal. It's normal to feel crazy stuff or encounter crazy stuff. True. And then you go in with eyes wide open, you know. Exactly. So once again, Sarah, we are so grateful for your message. We are so glad you're listening and that you've begun your real estate career. We can't wait to hear about your successes. Please keep us posted. In episode 26, we shared the secrets of making marketing magic. The most important elements of every kind of marketing from print to online, word of mouth marketing we talked about, all the things that successful agents utilize to achieve top producer status and to maintain longevity in what we know is a very competitive field. Today, we're going to give you the steps to take to establish farm dominance. Once you've selected your farm area and you've decided you want to invest your time and marketing efforts in your farm, then you need to turn your efforts to becoming the dominant agent in your farm. So how do you do that? How does that king <laughs> or queen of a market earn his or her crown? Or we're gonna we're gonna tell you today. You're gonna hear it from the queen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny yes. to know that every every farm or 
farming, mm-hmm. it's always going to have a queen. Yeah. So it's kind of weird. Like, don't, I think people think, oh, I'll start this one. It's never going to be a start. There's always going to be someone. Yeah. So it's got to be like almost when I moved here, you were kind of, you were quasi queen at that mm-hmm. moment. Now mm-hmm. you're super queen. <laughs> But I thought, oh, I could be princess. I could be on the court. You know what I mean? So if you are, I mean, you could also be a queen in a different neighborhood or whatever. Yeah. But, but realizing that because there's a queen, that doesn't mean there's no space for the court. Exactly. Exactly. And sometimes there is space for someone else to come in, a leading mm-hmm. meeting or something like that to come in. Because you remember, when there's just one dominant agent, that usually means some people want an option. So yes, don't let exactly. that like, exactly. don't let that deter you. Yeah. And you remember too, being the dominant farm area agent is more than just listing and selling homes in the community. True farm area owners, as I think of them, are experts of the community, which we've talked about a lot. They serve as resources for a ton of different kinds of information about the farm and its surrounding area and know all about the market forces that affect the farm area. Dominant agents also work hard on developing strong professional relationships And they act as matchmakers for their clients. Valerie and I do a ton of this. And part of that happens because they've gone that extra mile to establish strong relationships with other local agents and real estate professionals. And that's how it helps them to become effective rainmakers, which generate a consistent stream of leads for themselves and their team members. I think too many agents make the mistake of creating all of their marketing content, especially social media, around their success And then maybe they like sprinkle in a few cute personal photos or stories. But to be a resource, you need to become a knowledge broker. Shout out to Tom Ferry, who uses, coined that term, I think, and uses it all the time and tells those in his ecosystem, which I'm one of, um, to maintain your status as a knowledge broker. So what that means is staying informed and being able to articulate the forces driving the market, the reasons behind the phenomenon that we're seeing. Um, And KCM, which is Keeping Current Matters, is another really good resource for everybody who's listening for information, gives us great access to the information that then enables us to share insider knowledge of the market with our clients. I know they've got something, I was just listening to their podcast this morning, the um, This Week in Real Estate. There's something that's called Try, I think you go to trykcm.com, and I don't know if Mm -hmm. it's like a free trial or something, but great things to share on your blog, on your website. As the farm area expert, you not only have to be familiar with all of these these sources, all of this information, all of the local news affecting your farm, but you also need to be on the front lines of communicating the information and interacting with the organizations that influence or make decisions about farm area issues. And when you're sharing this news to your farm, it's important to make sure you're never polarizing (laughs) or political. I know, and being in this area, oh my gosh, yes. Yes, in the D.C. suburbs, man, there's a a microscope on all of us for political. So we're Switzerland. We're completely neutral. We are neutral all the time, exactly. Um, So yeah, just stay away from from the political or or polarizing and also even serving on, you know, boards or organizations where people could uh, perceive that you're politically driven or oriented you want to stay away from that and make sure too that you fact fact checked if I can talk all your information so that you're never seen as an unreliable source. I know there's nothing worse than you shouldn't wing it because then it looks so bad. So right. that's an actual a good opportunity to say, you know what, let me double check. I think it's this, but mm-hmm. and then you get in contact back. Yes, but haven't you seen like where people will post something and then someone goes on and completely oh like shoots yes. down whatever they just said, 
And then the person digs their heels in and fights it and fights it and fights it. No, it's that like bite the bullet immediately. Like, oh, I thought it was this and that. Or just right. not say anything at all. Exactly. But I have to tell you, like, everybody thinks we know everything. True. So it's kind of weird. Like, I'm thinking more, just more than issues, but properties. Like, mm-hmm. oh, did you see this? And it just came in this morning. So I'm literally, I look now every morning. Yeah. I always have because if yeah. not, you look silly. There would be like, why do we, you, I need you if I already know? You yes. Know? Yeah. I mean, people have access to information yeah. almost as quickly as we do these days. So yes. you're absolutely right. We need to be in so front of So you have to have that extra morsel, which if you're in your farm, like, oh, mm-hmm. that's a very vertical unit that has a great patio that has that, that little morsel that they don't know. Yeah. Or they go, oh, that's just like the one on the corner. I'm like, no, it's not. It's totally, and it's, you know, and they're like, oh, okay. I need her. Very good point. Very good point. And right now there's all this talk about because of the way appreciation is happening, a new bubble housing bubble starting to form. So go to keeping current matters because they talk about why we are not entering. And you know, what's funny you in our last meeting, you had the foreclosure Mm -hmm. like that everybody's talking about. Yeah. So I was speaking to this girl that I actually, I sold her a condo like seven years ago and now she's looking for another one. This Mm -hmm. is a little investment rental Mm -hmm. thing. And then she said, well, with all the foreclosures coming, and I have saved your piece of paper, so I'm looking through my paper, and I'm like, well, only this percentage of people took advantage of the... So she was kind of like, oh, but it's so weird because when you brought it up, I'm like, I'm going to save this because people keep asking me the same thing. So I used your little... So it's so true. Yeah. Because people will just come up with whatever... I mean, they're just smart people, so they think, oh, this is happening, Mm -hmm. this is happening. But... Again, like you were saying, they offered all these, what is it that they call it? Um, the forbearance. Yeah. They offer them, but very few people took it. So really, there's not going to be that huge bubble of people that took it. So, And which, even of the people that did, yes, had equity, right? Yeah, 87% have equity. And so literally, I saved that mortgage. piece of paper highlighted. And when I'm talking yeah. to her, I'm like pulling it out, read it. Yeah. And there you go. Like she wasn't worried about you it You can't anymore. argue with facts. Correct. Yeah. So it was so good. Yeah. So Good, good. Okay. All right, well, we digress. But back to the yes. becoming a dominant. But keeping all of that in mind is, is important when you become a dominant area agent. Because as you said, having that you extra morsel, that is, yep, that is what really differentiates you. Um, some agents like to do like a farm area-centric newsletter to send to other agents, lenders, or other industry leaders outside of the farm and in other parts of the country. And that can also help people recognize you. You stay top of mind for people who have buyers moving in from other parts of the country and think, oh yeah, Valerie's the go-to for, you know, Metro DC. How do you, how important do you think it is to um, stay informed about issues that are affecting like the area outside? We just talked a little bit about the forbearance foreclosure, but um, you know, some people are really hyper-focused right in their farms and don't really know what's happening on the other side of the major highway that divides your area from... I know. And sometimes that happens to me when people want, like, new construction. Yeah. And then I feel bad. And then I have to go online and check what's everything around. Because you're right. If they're going, oh, I might buy a Tower Oaks. I just found out about this because someone mentioned it. I'm like, why didn't I know about that? Mm-hmm. So sometimes if you're so in your farm... It's almost, you're always going to have people that are either moving out of it or from it. Mm-hmm. So you really need to, you're right. So it was weird. I literally have to go and check it out right away. So I would seem like, oh, because people expect like, oh, you know, in Frederick, yeah. there's a new development. So I'm always like, yes, I do. As I click away and check it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. You do need to be informed of all of that. And some really good um resources are like Facebook groups of local agents, even if they're outside of your area, yeah. they, you know, go on and talk about those sort of things, those sorts of things, which is another way to develop 
professional relationships with agents as well if you're involved and communicative on some of those those platforms. And, you know, I think sometimes we feel like developing relationships with agents who oh, could yeah. be perceived of our, as our competitors is a little bit counterintuitive. But remember that those competitors might bring buyers to your listings or might have listings that would be a good fit for your buyer clients. So I really think it's a yeah. good idea to develop and maintain those good relationships. You don't need to be their best friend because you are going to have some overlapping um, clientele right. potentially. But some tips would be like, and you know, Valerie and I are going to like sit here and look at each other and laugh during this because we, we have good examples of agents who have not gone out of their way or not even really made any effort to develop oh, oh, good right. relationships with other agents locally and they gain a reputation for that. And guess what? Their market share falls off because they aren't kept in the know. I mean, how many houses have we sold to or with people who know us and reach out to us and go, Hey, in case you have this, cause they like us. Well, guess who's not on those lists. Those people who aren't considered nice people to work with. Right. It's only a benefit to your client. Exactly. So make sure you're returning phone calls promptly and professionally when you get them. Thanks showing agents for showing your listings and provide prompt and constructive feedback. The feedback. I was yes. Say. Yes. Yeah. I think that's so important. I mean, don't do the listing agent's job and tell them they need to stage it or it's overpriced, but at least say the layout wasn't right for my buyers or location wasn't quite right or whatever it was. And we talked about this a lot, but keep emotion out of your communication. <laughs> you think? Very important. Oh I mean, God. even sometimes like, you know, with new agents who call and they're asking a question that I'm like, you know, you, you really kind of should know the answer to that. I would never make them feel like, oh, you're clearly you're a rookie. Right. Although I certainly had older agents make me feel like that. Oh my sometimes. God, when I started Lemon Foster. Right? Yes. I remember thinking like, you're a hundred years old now, but you were new once. Right. Like, they right. forgot. Yes. And sometimes those agents become players and you yeah. know major players in your market and they will remember the people who are kind to them and want to work with them yeah like even if they're missing a form you can call them and kind of yes. say it rudely or you could go hey make sure you send me number 24 blah blah, blah. you know what i mean exactly there's all in the delivery my so god so true so true make sure your reputation is built around integrity ethical behavior fairness honesty all of those things will be to your benefit and to the benefits of your clients in the long run the more respectful and professional your relationships are with other agents, I think the more likely those agents are to want to, to want to work with you. Um, do you have any other thoughts about developing Yeah, the only thing I wrote while I was looking at it, I'm like, do not badmouth agents to other agents. Oh, my gosh. And I do that with so also bad. my friends. Like, if I know if you're saying crap about Mary, Peter, whatever, you're probably saying crap about me when I'm not around. 100%. So if you have, what is that thing? If you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything. Yes. If they ask you about them, they're like, oh yeah, I've worked with them, period. Right. Like don't go on and on because it's just, it's just right. Wrong. So. There's one agent actually who used to be on the team with one of these other agents that we were just referring to who never really tried to develop any kind of relationship friendly or otherwise with, right. with anybody else in the market. And he actually said something very unkind about us and my team Uh, to a neighbor who he didn't realize was a very good friend of mine who brought it back to me. And it was all kind of hearsay on his part. It was the other agent trying to like besmirch our image in the eyes of this agent. And then he broke off from her team and we did a transaction. I remember remember this. Yes. And he came to me and said, I just want to tell you 
all the things that were told to me about you clearly were wrong and I want to apologize. Right. And it was so, it was nice. It was, you know, kind of like ingratiating to hear that after all that time, but it did, it did him no favors. I mean, he probably missed out on opportunities to work right. with me because I might have reached out to him if he had ever given me the chance as a person. Right. He needed to have his own experience. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. He was safe from whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, ex- exactly. D- bad mouthing other agents, never a good idea. Um, I just bad mouth them to their face if they're annoying. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, even if they're annoying, I'm like, okay, well, that didn't warrant that response. Like, you can be, you know. Yes. But, yeah. (laughs) That's That's me, you know. (laughs) That's Valerie's style. Yes. Um, And then we talked about this for a second before, but one of the hallmarks of a dominant farm area agent is the ability to match make. So let's talk about what that means for a minute. As you become known as the go-to agent in your farm area, your pipeline is going to begin to begin to fill up with buyer prospects and agents who are looking for specific property types in your farm area. They know you're the agent most likely to know. So keep a running database of the leads that you get. Note the name of the buyer or agent who contacted you, the buyer or agent's contact information, obviously, the type of home the buyer or agent is seeking. And then as soon as you have a new listing and you have the ability to advertise it, cross-check it against your buyer and agent looking database to try to search for a match. Finding those matches often maximizes the price and minimizes the days on market for your listings also can really minimize the hassle for your client. Valerie, matchmaking is one of those things we do all the time, right? And you know, the ability to also like in an open house say, you know what, like, no, we don't have anything now, but I have, I literally tell people I have a running list so I can let you know. Yes. So that makes it more of a farm agent because then you would know, you know, you almost have the inside scoop on things. Yeah. But yeah, I have to say like my last few transactions have all been matchmaking kind of like you move here, you buy this, you go, it's crazy. Especially in such a tight market. Yes, exactly. Especially in this market. That's why I think for a new agent is hard at this moment. Yeah. Because I'm hearing more from like my clients from eight, nine, seven years ago. Of, yeah. Oh, I may move up or whatever. It's all right. Like, well, I don't want to put my house on the market. Is there anything coming that's yeah. not out there? Trying to match them before. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, and even, you know, if you've got a buyer looking, which so many agents are primarily buyer's agents, right. I really would suggest that you take the time to look at your MLS, see, check the roster for who the agents are who are selling the most in the communities in which your buyers are looking. Right. Buyer looking letters are a great idea. We're going to cover that. But make sure you're personally reaching out to those agents too, even if it's a hey, you know, I'm relatively new and I'm hoping that you can help me out here. I have buyers who are looking. I know you're the, and this is always like a good way to butter somebody up. I know you're the queen of that market. So wanted to reach out to you to see, and maybe you make a match. Yeah, that's funny because this agent I'm working with from Bethesda, now whenever she has a question about this neighborhood, she calls me. So now that's how I know I'm like princess. Yeah. <laughs> she hasn't met the queen, but she's working with the princess. Yes. But it's funny because now she knows. She's like, hey, is this price well? Is this whatever? You know? Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. It's very effective. Yeah. And when you can't readily find an available listing that matches the needs of a buyer, then it is time, if you can do it through just this outreach to, to your agent sphere, um, to employ your buyer looking system. And that is one of the systems, the lead generation systems that we're going to cover in an upcoming episode. And then once you find a match, make sure that you advertise your success, highlighting the advantages of hiring the neighborhood expert who has the in for all of the things that are, that other people don't have access to in your market. 
As the expert in your farm, you're also, of course, going to do as much to sell the community as you will to sell individual homes. Farm area residents will begin to recognize that there's a quantifiable advantage to hiring the agent who knows the community better than any other agent, and that that advantage puts more eyes on their properties and more money in their pockets. Like we talked about before with the data, use graphs, charts, and percentages taken from your local MLS statistics in your listing and buyer presentations to visually demonstrate that your listings sell for more money. And if you're on a team or with a brokerage, use your brokerage statistics. If you're new, there's nothing wrong with using that to shore up your um, value. Show that you sell for closest to asking price within the shortest, shortest time frame, or that you, your team, or your brokerage have the most sold farm area listings. Real data really does make a real impact. The reality is that the listing agent who possesses nuanced and intimate knowledge of the farm area will help their transactions move more smoothly and will give their sellers a better bottom line since an agent with an investment in the community naturally cares more about property values and can articulate the value of farm area properties to buyers and agents. And for the buyer, working with a farm area expert means access, as we talked about, to insider knowledge about the community and first access to properties that might be the perfect fit. Valerie, you've talked a lot in past episodes about um, how people choose to work with you, buyers particularly, because they immediately right. recognize. And that's mostly in open houses yeah. where people are kind of like standoffish a little bit. Yeah. And literally, like, I'm selling them that home, but then I'm selling them on, oh, that house on the corner had a great family room, mm-hmm. a great bedroom, whatever, or little things like our parades, our Oktoberfest. Yeah. So then slowly they realize that they're like, not only do I sell the neighborhood, but I live here, which yeah. I I think that makes such a huge difference. Absolutely. Schools and yeah. And even in a market like this, yeah, where things are selling before we ever get the chance to even hold them open. Right. Often. Exactly. I mean, the whole neighborhood kind of becomes your open house as you're walking around and talking to people. I mean, that's a a really uh, predominant way that you've you've gotten clients to work with you is just walking around and talking to people. Well, that's the one thing about living in your farm. Yes. You're always farming. Like it's people true. are always, yeah. honestly. So I like it because we like the interaction all yeah. the time. But I, yeah. I mean, it's you're always on. You're always on. Kind of, yeah, it's true. Yep. Dominant farm area agents also know that creating visual content that highlights the assets of the farm area is also really compelling. One thing you can do is hire a good photographer, or if you have a mm-hmm. even a phone these days, they have pretty good cameras on them. Walk around and take photos of your farm area at various times of the year. You can take pictures of farm area events, lots of photos of properties you've sold. Valerie has her like the front door campaign. I know, I wrote that. Doors of Kentlands. Yes, 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 which is so cool. And again, it's like a different little angle that you present to people of a special attribute of our community. And it's funny, I was thinking about how people come in with this perception that our HOA is super, super, super strict. Right. And I'll be like, walk around and look at the colors of right. people's houses. Doors are a great example of that. Exactly. You actually have a lot of latitude as long as you stay within the general architectural guidelines of the community. Sometimes too much latitude, yes. Right, <laughs> right. But yes. I mean, yeah, that's a good yeah. example of that. What was it that made you start that that door campaign? Well, you know, my I think I was a pioneer of the fabulous doors. Yeah, did I tell you a story? Michael, what's his name? Michael Watkins, right? Oh yeah, he was walking in front of our house. I didn't know who he was, but believe it or not, I was dropping off something for Marina or something. So Marina was in front of my house, and then I'm talking to him. She pulled up afterwards, but he's talking to me, and he goes, "Do you live in this house?" These are our town architects, by the way. Yes, the town architects for Kentlands. Yeah, so fabulous. Um, Yeah. 
So, um, and then he goes, Who do you live in this house? And I said, Yes. And he goes, You have my favorite door in Kentlands. Oh, really? Because it was my gray house with a yellow door with the cute little windows. Yeah. And people, I have to say, when I moved, no one had like a really cute kind of. Then I'm in the middle of Shefali, which is very right. visual, like everybody sees it. Yeah. So anyway, so as a joke, I told him I want to change Kentlands one door at a time because I want people to make, like, to just do something fun. Like, yeah. I'm like, please, you can paint it next year, a different color. It doesn't right. matter. So then Marina was there, and he leaves, and she goes, you know who was that? I didn't know. I thought he was just a guy. And then she goes, that's Michael Watkins from whatever. And I said, oh, my God, the architect of Kentlands told right. me I have the best door. <laughs> so then I think I literally, like so many people talk to me about that darn door. Even the UPS guy, remember, he would beep and give me the thumbs up. It's crazy when I painted it. So everybody started doing it. I don't know. Yeah. Little quarry, there's a pink door. There's yeah. like all these doors. And then when I'm walking the dog, I take the pictures. Every time I see a good one, I take pictures. Yeah. But that's how I started with that. That's the cool. I yeah. notice it all the time yeah. now. The Clarks down at the bottom of Midtown, they have yes. a door. Yeah. yeah. But it really makes a difference. But anyway, that, yeah. that is a good that's way of pulling it in. Yeah. That's cute. Um, so you can do that. The other thing you can do is video. Video is so huge right now. And video is becoming more and more dominant in people's, the forefront of people's minds. I've even started watching a few videos here and there, although I'm like always the person who's like, I'm not watching videos. Right. Uh, but everybody else in the world does. Well, I mean, it's a short and sweet video. That's yeah. kind of nice. Yeah, exactly. And every social media site now has at least right. one video um, aspect to it. So we have a video on our team website. And if you want to look at it, our team website, we always talk about our other website, which is therealestateratemakers.com. But our team website is meredithfogel.com. Take a look at that and click on and you will see a video that showcases our services. But there's also the one that is all about the Kentlands. Yeah, right. you click on communities. And it beautifully illustrates why our neighborhood is as sought after as it is. We'd love for you guys to check it out and tell us what you think. But it kind of gives you an idea of another way to showcase or highlight your community. And these days, again, you can do this with your phone. Right. Walk around, take a few videos, put them together. And remember, you can these things can evolve. It doesn't have to be a, a forever piece that you put on there. But it's a really good way, especially if you have people who are moving into your farm area from other parts of the country, um, to know what they're what they're going to experience right. and what you love about it, but it's also a really good marketing tool for you, so you can tell your sellers or your potential listing clients another way that you you highlight the uh, attributes of the community. Once you begin to get traction in your farm area, your market share is going to rise, and then you'll have listings and sales to advertise. So use of social media effectively will help take your visibility to the next level. When you get to this point, it's time to really put the pedal to the metal and increase your social media post frequency across all of the real estate appropriate social media platforms. And I remember when I was first thinking about like, what are the social media appropriate? Like what, what would not be, well, I guess like dating sites or whatever, but like I used to think, oh, <laughs> TikTok isn't, well, people are using TikTok exactly. these days for this sort of thing too. I would say in general, aim for one post a day, mixing in ample content specific to your farm, community events, new shops or restaurants that have opened, right. an interesting item of local news. You can put something about farm area history. That's always cool. Photos of houses you're preparing to list or have recently sold. If it's about your farm area, post it. Do you have any other favorite things besides your doors? No, I put the doors and then food. Like, oh, I, yeah. You know, I haven't been to the cupcake place or the hot dog place yeah. or things like that. Like, you know me, I have ADD. So I, get, <laughs> I like like one fun picture and then that's it. Right. Or, or maybe you saying, I love that. What is it called where you do like the three second 
Um, oh my God, I have the app and I totally I am blanking know. senior moment on it. Yes, and you do like a quick little frame of it and it could be like the cupcake or whatever. So oh, it's really cool. I don't know what that is. Yeah, oh, that's cool. And today's buyers and sellers really understand the importance. Boomerang. Oh, boomerang. Yes. I didn't yeah. talk about it. Yep. Um, of an agent's strong social media presence. And they'll feel connected to agents that they see often in social media. And as we talk about it, it's all about being top of mind. It's another way to mm-hmm. stay in front of them. They're also going to check to be sure you're active on social media before enlisting your services. So make sure you have at least some presence. And they're going to be even more inclined to work with you when they see your impressive social media presence. The real purpose of all of these efforts, of course, is to dominate your market and to become more than just a top producer, but really to become a rainmaker. We've said it before, real estate is in truth the business of lead generation. And the most successful real estate rainmakers are lead generating machines that can even feed a team with all of the leads that they get. So a strong focus on lead generation is the single most important factor in determining dominance and long-term success. Rainmakers regularly demonstrate their value to their farm area, spend the majority of their time with their current and potential clients, and they consistently close to ask for business anytime an opportunity presents itself. You have to remember being out and about in your community gives you those opportunities. They also understand their lead generation efforts have to remain consistent even as they become increasingly busy and involved with their clients. So many times you see that at this point in an agent's career, when they really start to gain that momentum, they start to slide back Right, down because it's almost like you're so busy. That's why I think it's good to have like almost like like a look or a template or something so you can keep it going. Yes. You know what I mean? As opposed to reinventing the wheel all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I've done with my book. I don't know if you've seen my book post, but I basically have right. like the same template and I changed the message up for the right. book posts. Um, and I did most of them like sitting on my couch over about a week period at night watching, you know, whatever we're watching on TV, prison break or whatever. <laughs> I'm back right. and watching. The um, queen watches prison break. Yeah, I, didn't know <laughs> I didn't know there's like six seasons of it now. So it gives me a lot of viewing material to do my graphics during. Um, but you don't want to get on that roller coaster career that many agents, I would say the majority of agents find yes. themselves on. And what we want for you is a consistently upward trajectory. So the, the whole name of the game here is consistently generating leads, even when you're busy working yes. in your business. Which is hard. It's really hard. It is hard. It is hard. And this is where like you really have to focus to ensure a steady flow of transactions, even when you're so busy, busy you can't even breathe. So how will you manage new leads as your lead volume increases? How are you not become that agent that we told you the story about early on in these podcasts who had so many leads that had come in. She had like a pile of sticky notes and she was so overwhelmed. She literally threw them no. in the trash. Oh I remember that story. She threw hundreds of thousands of dollars away because she just couldn't handle it. How are you going to build a career and not just a carnival ride? <laughs> in our next episode, this is what we're going to focus on. So we're going to explore the systems, begin to explore the systems. We've got a lot of them to tell you about that the most prolific real estate rainmakers utilize to ensure this long-term success and balance is um, working in real estate time that they're spending. So bring your paper and pencil next time or check out our show notes because the systems you're about to learn about are going to be vital to your long-term success. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. And please remember to visit Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere you buy your books to pick up your copy of Farming for Real Estate Agents. All of the systems are covered in that book, and the workbook breaks it down even more. And visit the Real Estate Rainmakers. If I can, I really can't talk today. <laughs> TheRealEstateRainmakers.com to find out about the training, coaching, and the prepackaged lead generation systems we offer. Everything we're about to talk about, we also offer to you to use, so you don't have to reinvent the wheel. As always, thank you, thank you for listening. Please remember to leave us reviews, ratings, show ideas, or any other feedback that you would like. I'm Meredith Fogel, along with Valerie Hernwell, and this has been So You Want to Be a Real Estate Agent. We'll see you next time. Bye. We are so grateful you joined us today on So You Want to Be a Real Estate Agent. If you're still not sure real estate is the right career for you, tune in to our next episodes. If you're more sure than ever, tune in to future episodes for more tips, tools, and insider secrets that will help you launch into productive action and achieve quick success. Just a reminder that we love reviews. Please let us know what you like best about this podcast, what we could do better, ask us questions, or send us show ideas. Check out our show notes page for our contact info or visit our website, therealestaterainmakers.com, for access to the tools, tips, systems, and other great resources we mentioned on the show. I'm Meredith Fogel. And I'm Valerie Hernal. We appreciate you. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.